going back to Children's Church. Lord, um, this song is not just a song, God. This song is our confession today. We agree that we need you. But part of our confession today is that we sometimes we deny that we need you. Uh, sometimes uh, that's it's vain, it's arrogant, it's our it's our it, it's just our fleshly vanity that says, oh, I don't need anything else." Uh, sometimes, Lord. Um, in our fear, our fear, we, 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 we think, oh, no, what, what does it mean that I need God? And we think that maybe we won't measure up. Like our religious sensibility says, like, oh, oh, oh no, God, I'll show you that I don't need you. And it's so far from what the gospel calls us to. We confess these things, Lord. We confess that sometimes we are in such des- despair, such desperation. That we're angry and we're upset with you. We don't cry out because we think, what's the use? Yes, Lord, we confess we need you, but we confess, too, that sometimes we don't reach out to you. For these reasons that we've named, possibly for many other more. But God, today we are called by your spirit to rely upon you. We thank you for this, 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 this invitation, this summons to the vain, arrogant heart that says, come down off your high horse. To the person who is steeped in guilt and shame with all this religious sensibility. What does it mean that I would have to rely upon God? Is he going to be angry with me for that? That you say, you speak the word of affirmation. You do need me and I know you need me. And that's the plan to the despairing one who doesn't know if it's even worth it. Their heart's bitter and resentful they've asked and they've asked and they've asked and they seem to have gotten no response or no good response might you just encourage them to be patient turn your face towards them and let them know that you are near God I pray that you would hear our call that says I need you and you will answer wherever our hearts are at And then, Lord, I pray and I ask uh, that we, what we receive from you will be good for us. Good for us to be, to live as citizens of your kingdom while we abide here on earth. God, I pray and I ask uh, you just to hear these prayers, attend to them, and all the prayers we don't know to pray, you did. Answer those as well. We pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. And everybody said with me.
Amen. Now, I know that y'all want me to preach a full sermon today, um, but I'm sorry. I just feel like that would not be nice. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to do this in the next 10 or so minutes. Um, and if I fail, huh? You can do it. That's so- all right, all right, there you go. Here's the deal. Sometimes language that we read in Scripture, I, I think it causes us to miss some of the weight of things. One, one, one term that causes me to sometimes miss the weight of things is uh, Philippians 1.23. The Apostle Paul says, I am in a straight betwixt the two. Now, anybody knows what he's talking about there, and anybody who doesn't, let me let you know. Paul is saying he is in a decision place. He doesn't know which is better. Is it better for him to die and be with Christ? Because he says, like, in dying, I don't really die. I get to see new life in Christ. Or is it better for him to stay and to minister here on earth? Now, Paul's writing one of those letters, like I said in Deborah's letter. Uh, he's writing a letter to a church that he had, he had spent some time with, to some people he had built some relationship with. And, and Paul now had, has, has had to leave that church, and he has had to uh, go on, and he's planning and establish other churches. But at, but at the present hour that he's writing the letter, Paul is in jail. And in those days, you didn't go to jail as, your, this, as the punishment for your crime. You went to jail to wait for your trial, and at your trial, they would determine what your sentence was. And Paul was not just on trial, and he might have to pay, you know, once he faced his trial, he might have to pay a fine. Paul was looking at either he was going to be acquitted and be set free, or he was going to be found guilty, and he was going to die. And, and, and the church at Philippi, um, uh, this, this letter, it, it's one of those funny letters that, that there is, there's so much joy per capita in the book of Philippians. And, and, and when you have language like, I'm in a straight betwixt, you know, this old English way of speaking, I think it can tend to make us miss the weight of the scenario. See, Paul was writing this letter because the Philippian church, they were super worried about Paul. They were super concerned about Paul's well-being. Not just that Paul was in jail, but they wanted to know, how are you doing emotionally, Paul? The very first thing that he, 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 he says to them after he gives them these greetings, he's like, hey, hey I want you to know I, I, I'm okay with, with the way things are right now. And, and there, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to the context. It's a rich letter. It's my favorite book, I think, in all of Scripture because it is so rich. I don't think there's been a year of my, um, of my uh, pastorate that I haven't um, uh, preached through the book at some length because I just keep coming back and mining new and fresh things from it. But because there's so much joy and because there's language like, I'm in a straight betwixt, which just sounds funny to me. I mean, you can't read that without a British accent or you can't read it like without like uh, for me. And this might not be for you, but for me, it's like it's hard for me to take that language seriously. 
and to get the weight of meaning be behind it. And, and, and that's not a problem with the language itself. It's probably, like I said, it's probably just a problem with me. But I say all that to say, it took me a long time as I would read through Philippians and I'd hear all this, like, read this language, like, I'm in a street betwixt. You know, I love saying that sometimes, you know, just like in normal conversation and people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, You've never read the King James Version. You know, like, I have. I grew up on it, you know. Um, but, uh, but the language and then the, the theme of joy that resounds throughout it. It took me a long time to figure out Paul didn't just automatically arrive at some of the strong statements that he said. One of the most powerful statements that he says right here in Philippians at the, towards the end of chapter 1 is, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Sometimes the language, sometimes the theme of joy, sometimes just our own sensibilities that, hey, you should just get over things and be okay with things. Last night, my boys, um, we had a, 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 an adoption party, and then I had a baby shower to go to, and at the adoption party, kids were welcomed at the baby shower. It was just adults, and so then I left my boys with some friends of ours, and, and I went to the baby shower for a little while. Then I went to pick them up, and they were like, um, can we stay the night? And I said, no. And they immediately got upset. And, and, and I don't want them to get upset because it's annoying. You know, like I do so much for you. Don't be ungrateful about this. But I really, I, I struggle with this thing because I want them to know how to express their feelings. Like they, they, they could be sad about that. They could be bummed out about that, right? I mean, it's not wrong for them to be bummed out that they're not getting to stay with their friends. Now, what, what, I, what I want to be able to create is how do you get bummed out and you not just get mad and angry? How do you get bummed out and, and you not just take it out on you know, your brother? You don't just, you know, take it out on me. You're the worst dad ever. You never do anything for us. I mean, my kids have never said that, but, but almost every day, um, you know. And so sometimes I, I think it's not even the language, it's not even all that stuff. Sometimes I just think deep within us, we think it's wrong to feel things. And in the church, I just don't know that we've helped each other out very much. And when we read like stories of Paul, like I, I, I've told you all this before, I, I argued with one of my dear brothers like a lot. And I don't think I ever won the argument. He's still wrong. Um, is that he was like, Paul got a direct download from God and his whole life change and I'm like but I read Philippians and I don't think Paul got there automatically yeah. I, I don't think you can sit there and go hey you know what there's people who are going and they're preaching to cause hurt to me but I'm okay with that because I'm a robot Paul you have to work through it and I, I say all that to say like it, it hit me this week. I, I've thought about that. I'm in a straight betwixt the two. Whether to depart would be with Christ, right? Or to stay would be far better, right? You know, like, I thought about that. I thought, let's think about Paul as a terminal cancer patient. Who's going, do I really, like, I have faith in Jesus. I know where my home is. 
I know where my hope is. But am I ready to die? Because look, there's my there's my wife, my kids. You know, my dad, like my my sister had just gotten married. Brittany and I had just gotten married. I know my dad wasn't going like, I'm ready to not meet my grandbabies from them. I would imagine that Paul's not just saying I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a pickle here, a conundrum. But Paul's going like, I, I think about this a lot, y'all. It really weighs on my heart. If I leave, like there's some opportunity there. I get to be with Christ. <laughs> and I haven't seen him since the Damascus Road. It's been a while. Right. <laughs> but I also know that like if I could stay here of course I think about this because we're as a church we're going like what does it look like for somebody who we know and love who serves us to leave I said it in my letter but I hope that we can all know this she didn't come at that decision lightly Y'all really don't know this. There's another boot to drop on this whole thing. Independent of Chris's story about coming back to the Lord and pursuing him and going, I want to go to church with my wife. Uh, Tammy's sister, Deborah's sister, Tammy, her husband, her are in the same situation. Those have been faithful sisters serving alongside one another. Well, over the last few months, some things have been going on in his head and his heart as well. And wouldn't you know it, he wants to go to church. But wouldn't you know it, he's not sure that he wants to go to church here. So whenever I said it was Black Friday, I wasn't just meeting with Deborah. I was sitting down with two very faithful ladies in our church. And I had told Brittany, they texted and said, hey, we want to sit down and talk to you. And I told Brittany immediately, I said, I'm very anxious about this. She said, why? It's Deborah and Tammy, right? Like they are like, they've been like supporters, like par excellent, like since day one. And I was like, I think they're going to leave. She's like, that's weird. I was like, I, I just, that was the immediate thing that came to my mind. And of course, you know, I'm going, am I just thinking this? You know, that's silliness. And I was like, no, spirit, speak to me right now. I, I, I won't bring Tammy up here and do everything that I did for Deborah because Tammy would murder me. <laughs> she would murder me. I mean, Tammy, we would go on um, mission trips and she would come back and everybody would give a testimony and she'd be like, I'm not doing it. And if you ask me, I will not be back. And so I was like, all right. We couldn't put her picture on any of the slideshows. I mean, no lie, she is, she's that way. It's so good. So, here's my pastoral word to us today. We have to work through it a little bit. 
We have to process it. Here's what I think helped the Apostle Paul process such things. Was not a vain, wistful wish about some abstract concept of heaven one day. A lot of American Christians, a lot of Americans, period, have some vain, wistful wish about and an abstract idea about heaven. Oh, you know, I bet they're just up there, you know, with like an angel. They got their wings, they got their halo, they got their harp, they're floating around in a cloud. What helped the Apostle Paul was that uh, his Lord and Savior, his sovereign authority over his life, faced death, a horrible death, a suffering death, not an easy death, not a, I'm gone, like we all want, right? Any of y'all want a suffering death? Right? Would you rather... Whenever they say, would you rather die of a fire or drowning? I'm like, would, I would rather not have this conversation right now. It's not a fun one for me. And he rose up to new life on the third day. See, what Paul knew was that, like, Sorrow and loss and suffering and trial, if it, was, if it was true for Jesus, it was going to be true for us. Paul didn't have this idea that like, hey, if you, if, you start, if you start reading the big book, the good book, all your troubles will go away. Paul had this idea that if I really live for Christ, it's going to cost me something. We read about that in chapter number three. So Paul would work through it and process it, not hide from his feelings, not deny them, not even despair over them. Just know that they are. They're there. I'm sad. I'm scared. Hey, I'm sad and I'm scared. What do I do with my sorrow and my fear? what the gospel is still being preached he's like but are you sure because i'm not the one doing it <laughs> and he's like no the gospel is really being preached Paul. he's like okay now i know the gospel is being preached and every time he went to the lord to process these things what he was reminded of was the way of jesus the life of jesus it involved these things too But what all of it led to was new life. And so Paul could, could process, I'm sad, I'm scared. And then the Lord would say, speak his word, whatever he had to speak into it. And then uh, God would also go like, but don't you also remember Jesus had to endure this stuff? And he's like, yeah, that's right, he did. And what happened to Jesus? He died. That was really sick. But then what? He rose to new life. That's right. 
all of these opportunities, though sorrowful or fearful, they're all opportunities that can lead to new life. We, we see that, we feel that now. And guess what? I don't think Paul got it one time and he was good. I've had to be taught lessons multiple times. Have you? Every time I play a card game, I have to be retaught the, 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 uh, the rules. And, I, and I'm really good at card games too. I mean, like spades, I'm really, really good once I know the rules, but I always have to be told the rules again. I kind of feel like sometimes it, this stuff is like that. And, and here's what I mean. Like, we could be okay with, like, everything. It was sweet. It was nice. It was honoring to Miss Deborah today. But, like, in a few days, we could go, like, sadness or fear or anger could kick in. And you know what we're going to have to do in a few days? We're going to have to go back to the Lord. We're going to say, hey, refresh. God, can you, can you re- re- remind me? Because right now, like, I was, I was fine Sunday. Like, like it, 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 was, it was sad, but it was honoring. And it was, oh, I, I, I had a lot of hope about it on Sunday. But on Tuesday, I'm going, okay, now, now what are we going to do? Who's really going to teach on this next Sunday? What, what, what curriculum are we going to use? Now I'm kind of like, I wish I didn't have to be doing this. And God's going to go, I know, I know, I know. Tell me about it. But don't you remember Jesus? Oh, yeah, Jesus had to do it. And what happened? New life. Okay, okay, God. It's not a one-time transaction. So that's my word for my brothers and my sisters today. I'm not going to look at the clock, but I think I did okay. (laughs) We do not come at these things automatically. But the Lord doesn't ask us to come at them automatically. He asks us to rely on him. For him to carry us through and get us to that place. That's why we sing such songs as, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. So, to close today properly, Brother Mitch and our vocalist are going to come, and we're going to sing, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. And uh, that will be what we remember about Paul in Philippians. He only got to joy because he knew that he needed the Lord, and he relied upon the Lord, and the Lord led him to joy. And with that, I say, amen. Amen. Lord, I love you. Please take this word. Use it. Multiply it. Please meet with our, our hearts that are heavy, that are sorrowful, our hearts that are fearful, uh, our hearts whenever anger and, uh, and, 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 and hard emotions like that come in. And, uh, Lord, lead us to uh, minister to us in those moments, attend to us in those moments, and then lead us to those places where we can um, see that there is life and where we can have hope and joy. Uh, Lord, we do have an ultimate hope and joy that ultimately, at the consummation of all things, everything will be good. But we don't, uh, we tend to forget that in these little moments here and there. And so, Lord, we need you to speak New, new words of hope and joy uh, on all these seasons, of all these sufferings, all these trials, all these losses that we experience each and every day. So, Lord, we do pray and we ask that you would be the one who supplies us with our hope and our joy. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's stand up together if you will.